Welcome to the Everlasting Education Podcast, the best of education through a gentle contempt for education. Hey folks, Scott and Joffrey, and we are back in the saddle and recording today and uh, looking forward to uh, sharing a fun article uh, that was written by Abraham Kuyper. And um, so we've finished up our school year, we've uh-huh. had our lamb roast, and now we're in the summertime. We've had our lamb roast, and now we're going to talk about an article called "As Sheep Among Wolves." Ooh, we're wow. not going to. We don't want to roast this lamb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we we um, we were talking this week about um, Abraham Kuyper uh-huh. and his uh, work, lifetime work, at getting the right kind of education um, in in. Uh, Holland or, or in the Netherlands. And so this was a, uh, this is a big push. And uh, Kuiper uh, wrote a series of, I guess we would maybe call them devotionals today, mm-hmm. you know, through his life, like 1300 of them. He was pretty prolific in his writing, but this one we found quite interesting because it goes right along with a lot of what we're doing here at Kepler. Right. So as sheep among wolves, and uh, you know, it's a great way to, for us to think as Christians, you know, what are we doing with, education and what are our friends doing with education uh, as we submit our children to the authority of one thing or another. Yeah. Right. And potentially wolves. Well, in just a minute, uh, Joffrey is going to read this and we're just going to interact with it and and talk about it a little bit. And, um, but one of the things that, uh, that was really interesting to me in, in attacking this is I have friends. I know a lot of really good Christian families who are not convinced that their kids are in any harm's way by allowing them to stay in public school. And it's not that they're bad people. It's not that they don't love their children, but I think that there is in some ways a, I don't know, a a comfort that people bring to themselves saying my school's not so bad. We're in a little town, whatever the, the, the reasoning is. Yeah. And you know, usually when, when I am in conversation with families like that, I tend to take a more teleological Mm-hmm. Approach, like, uh, what direction are, are we going in? But that's not really what 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 Kuiper does here. He he takes perhaps a more direct biblical. Uh, I'm not going to give any more more spoilers, <laughs> spoilers away, but uh, you know, less philosophical and more just like uh, pull yourself together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Think about who you are yeah. and where where you're going. Exactly. So, yeah. so you know, I'm just going to read a paragraph at a time. And, uh, and, and then Scott, uh, will, will comment on this. So really, this is just our way of delivering this essay to you with some verbal annotations. Fun. All right. So as sheep among wolves, when it comes to educating their children, some Christian parents put themselves above the Lord Jesus. Christ clearly stated that the difference between his followers in the world is like the difference between sheep and wolves. Some parents apparently know better. They think their children and the children of the world are all the same, so they don't see any danger when their baptized children, dedicated to Christ, make friends, even bosom friends, with children their own age from families that do not follow Christ. And when it comes down to a choice between children of a lower class but from Christian homes and children of higher social standing but from non-Christian homes, they all too often prefer that their offspring associate with children of the more respectable class. Uh, Now, the very first thing that stands out to me, which is kind of ironic given the last statement there about the more respectable class, is Mm. the democratic tone that he's addressing or the democratic impulse, because that would be very offensive. I think to a lot of people in our modern culture to say, um, don't let your children play with other certain people's children. And, you know, and, and we could unpack that a little bit, but he's really 
talking about there's a stark difference between families of with with kids who are, are you know Christians and families right. who aren't right yeah and you know and I, th- I think if we're honest with ourselves uh, a, a lot of us uh, we sort of think that that's the domain of of children right? right so you know we're raising our kids but they're getting educated in a school and they're going to have the friends that they have yeah um, and no, actually, <laughs> they, you, you, when you're raising your child, you, you're you're creating your child. You're 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 bringing them up in in a world. Like you're you're creating a whole a whole environment. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's not something where you just sign them out uh, for certain times of the day. <laughs> you know, even <laughs> if it's like you know go play at Susie's house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. You, you sign them out. Well, they're signed, <laughs> signed them out, signed back in. Now you're back in the back of the house. Well, I, I want to make two comments about this on, on the one hand, uh, echoing what you said there um, is exactly right. There's no time that we uh, take a break from raising our children. There's no time that you know, that they are signed out, if you will, to be what they are. And this is the old philosophical question of is versus ought, right? What ought they to do and what is the, the mm-hmm. situation? now. And so we don't ever want to just rest with is, we want to strive for the ought, right? And so right. That, that assumes that there is something we're striving for. The second thing I want to say actually is in, in contrast to that, because I want to be careful that we don't, you know, and I don't think Kuiper is saying this the wrong way. Um, and, and part of this comes from you know, as a pastor, when people would say, well, you know, I don't want my children playing with, you know, John Doe's family's kids because I think they're a bad influence, both Christian families. And, you know, thinking that if their kids are around them at church and things like that, that they were going to be influenced, you know, in a wrong direction. Right. And, you know, the one thing we have to remember is that if you put your child on a desert island with no influence, they're going to find ways to sin because sin is in the human heart. Yes. Right? Um, so this isn't exactly, you know, this isn't, this doesn't go across the board without qualification, but there is a difference between Christ honoring families, families, you know, their children are baptized. They are, they're following Christ. They're raising them up for Christ and families who are godless. Right. Well, cause you know, we're certainly not saying that, you know, to never let your kids out of your sight, right. for example, right? We just have to realize that when they're not in our sight, we're still raising them. That's right. Right. Yep. Um, and, and so, you know, there, there's, we, we, we want to be careful uh, to make sure that uh, when, whenever our kids are, so there's a, there's a tendency to be far too liberal and open-handed with certain things. Like, yeah, the, the government school can just have them Mm -hmm. and then we we overcompensate because we see the harm that's being done and they get home and right we we close them in um or uh we decide to homeschool because of all the threats out there right as opposed to having a positive vision for you know what 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 is what is godly what is full of love and mercy and justice what is the thing we ought to do yep. right as opposed to oh no well we must hedge we must constantly protect um and so you know we're, we are certainly not advocating for sending your kid out as a missionary into, into the government <laughs> schools but we're also not uh, defending the idea of treating them like a hothouse plant exactly. right you're, you're, you are raising young Christians. Yeah. Young Christians who are going to live in the world, but they're not raised yet. Right. So that, that's the, the, the tension that we're in. So we don't want them in that huddle and cuddle kind of mentality, right? you know, and everybody's an enemy and everybody's a threat, but we don't want to just, you know, throw them out, you know, on their own. They need to be guided. So, um, yeah, this next paragraph is, um, 
I wanted to take the title of this podcast from this next paragraph, but, <laughs> but, but I think, you know, a sheep among wolves works just fine. Yeah. Well, and maybe it was from the very first line of the paragraph. It gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse. When these parents have to choose a school for their children, their children, they again are wiser than Jesus and refuse to believe that here too, the difference between sheep and wolves applies in general. Of course, they're in favor of Christian education as the best option. All things being equal, they would prefer to enroll their children in a Christian elementary and a Christian secondary school. Yeah. The phrase that I like there is wiser than Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and, Bam. And, and, and I say that because as I, as I mentioned the very beginning, I, you know, I have friends, I know people, Christians who have uh, convinced themselves that, you know, well, it's just inconvenient for us to do it this way. The school is okay. And they have all the excuses in the world why they're not doing what they should be doing right right god wouldn't want one of us to quit their job right exactly <laughs> that, that he, he wants us to be happy you know and i'm not saying everybody says those kinds of things but those are the kinds of excuses and what kuiper's pointing out is if you take that approach um you, you are in a sense setting yourself up to be wiser than jesus yeah but things are not always equal. If the Christian school is more expensive or has fewer resources or is located in a working class neighborhood, the choice for a Christian school has to take a back seat and the child is sent, as Jesus would say, among wolves, though they like to improve on Jesus by saying, among more respectable people. <laughs> But, you know, you know that actually makes me think of the comment you made about well, our school is different, yeah, right. And and there there are two main scenes I see that in. I see that in sort of country or southern, you know, or Texan mm -hmm. school districts where it's like, well, most of the of of the teachers are Christians, or we see that um, with the best school districts or the prep schools. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that. And that's what comes to my mind. And you're right about the, you know, in the regions of the country where a lot of your people are Christian already, people move in and kind of congregate in certain areas where they're already Christian. So that is an excuse. Um, but the one that I've seen most is that second one you described where families are looking to put their kids in a different district. It's a little more respectable. It's a respectable school. Right. And this could potentially, if, if they're not careful, this could lead to that kind of vainglory, seeking vainglory for yes. our children. I don't want this. Like, well, let me back up. We started a school when I was pastoring in Las Vegas. And literally at one end of the street, was a pawn shop and the other end of the street was a porn shop mm. and it was in a, an industrial area. It was the only place we could afford to get a building. And we started a school there and, wow. and it was a Christian school. Now families who didn't know better might go, I'm not sending my kids down to that right. part of town. You know, there wasn't school buses and those kind of things. Um, and so I could imagine a family saying, well, I would rather them not go to, you know, I'd give up them going to a Christian school if they could go to a, you know, to a, a school that's across town where, you know, it's a little more affluent and they're going to be around more respectable people and thinking that this idea of respectability um, is better than Christianity. And so then we have to kind of toss out, what do we mean by respectability? Right. And, and this actually, you know, this opens up something that we haven't really uh, addressed very much in, in our previous content. I mean, one, what we have uh, talked about is, checklists right mm -hmm. so you know when we we educate our kids in order to conform to the world's and to the state's idea of what an education should be and we've talked about why that's bad but we haven't really unpacked the the, the subject of 
we educate our kids so they can be networked to have the best jobs, Mm -hmm. right? Which is, you know, a big reason a lot of people go to college. I was, you know, in a conversation with my eldest the other day about the value of Ivy League schools, right? Like, you'd be amazed at how many presidents went to Yale. The the big reason to go to an Ivy League school and, and, you know, people who are ostensibly nobodies can can get the scholarships and the test scores to go but the reason you go is not actually the academic rigor right it's it's for the people you will get to know and that's what they're selling yeah right yep. and you know and we we, you know, we don't have to send our kids to yale to think that way right we we, we think we're setting our kid up for success by putting putting them in that environment and to, to know certain people in certain ways of holding our forks and those things do have value, just like a, certi- a certificate can, an educational certificate can have value, but nowhere near the value of being raised as a Christian among Christians. That's right. Yeah, it's it's that trade off, um, and we have to think about what the value is, even if it's not the Yale, you right. know. But you're going for the prep school, you know, yeah. that, that that kind of you know preparation. But are you giving up something very? fundamental to their worldview, to their thinking. And I think that's important. You know, even on that line, you know, there would be people that would sometimes, you know, question the the Christian school because, well, you don't have, uh, you know, full-time teachers or the fact that, you know, it's, it's, it's not a large school. It's a right. lot of things that people look at and they judge a school by and not thinking in terms of what's the quality of the teacher the teaching and the quality of the teachers in terms of who's influencing their life. Right. Even facilities can come into play, right? Like, well, you know, my my kid is good at science and wants to be a scientist. Y'all don't even have a lab. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Um, And and not to be completely dismissive of that, but to really encourage people to prioritize that correctly, prioritize that way below Christian community. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to read the next two paragraphs uh, together here. But you will say, Jesus did the same thing. He did not keep his disciples isolated. He said himself, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And so he did. With this difference, however, Jesus sent them among wolves when they were ready. He. Nowhere in scripture do you read that when he chose Peter and Andrew, James and John, and the others to be his followers, the Lord first sent them to the schools of the scribes or to the academy in Jerusalem. These men had first gone to the school of John the Baptist, not exactly a respectable school, but one located in the wilderness, headed by a man dressed in an animal skin with all sorts of sinners and publicans as pupils. Definitely a separate school. But then Jesus had started his own separate school and taught his pupils at two levels, first the 12, then the 70. And he was so concerned that his disciples might come under the wrong influence that when they met up with teachers of the other schools, it was almost always Jesus who carried on the conversation, shielding his disciples. I think that's such an important paragraph. And and really, in many ways, it speaks for itself. There's not a lot for us to, to add to that except to say, uh, to emphasize the fact that Jesus was taking the lead and he still saw his disciples in the sense of needing to be trained, needing to be raised, needed to be not shielded in a sense that they couldn't be involved in the conversation, but not to be sent out as, you know, sheep among wolves yet. And he would eventually let them all know that they were all but the, all but the one who was loved. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I just love that. uh, That they were all going to give their lives for him. Yeah. uh, In, in terrible ways. He let them know. You know, yeah. <laughs> that you, you've, you, now you are mature. Go forth and make disciples of all nations. 
All right, well, let's continue then. Thus, Jesus, who evidently thought quite differently about education from the parents I mentioned, educated his disciples in isolation from any influence of the official schools. Only when they were sufficiently educated and prepared that he charged them to begin their official ministry, sending them out into the world with those words, Behold, I am sending you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. Shall I continue reading? Yeah, continue. Of course, there comes a day when this has to be done. Once our children are mature, they have to go out into the world. Then withdrawal into isolation is out of place. Jesus himself prayed, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Yeah, I think the thing that, that Kuiper is doing so well at emphasizing is the fact of timing. Yes. You know, and, you know, children aren't like, uh, you know, we, we talk about reptilian and, and mammalian, you know, reptiles have lots of babies, lots of lay lots of eggs and hope a few survive. <laughs> and and then there's the mammals who have just a couple and they, they take In time. Nature. Yeah. And so as human beings, our children are with us 18 to 20 years. I mean, that's that's the way God designed it. And they need nurturing. There's a, a, a enormous amount of time that they need to be invested in and trained and tested, right. you know, and I don't mean an academic test, but you know, as they get older, they have more responsibility comes a little more consequences. And there's sort of a, I guess a clutch effect, right? So you're, you're giving a little more responsibility with a little bit more consequence that it comes, mm-hmm. but there reaches a certain point when in their, their growing up life, um, you know, they are 100% responsible. Yes. Well, I also think that there's a sense of separateness that never goes away, right? Like when, when, when Jesus sent out the 70, you know, it was in the context of, listen, if they, if they, if they won't hear you, dust your feet off and move on. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, we often talk about being pilgrims and, the, the fact is, even when our children are grown and are making their way in the world, if they are being faithful, they will never have the same opportunities. They will have other opportunities right. than the worldlings, right? They will never have the same relationships. They will have other relationships. That will always be the case. So I actually think there's, a, there's potentially even for, for training them to respond to the world the wrong way, yeah. right? To teach them that they exist for the world when in fact the world exists for Jesus. Now we can go out there and love them and show mercy and show justice. We're gonna make disciples. But we have to understand that that it's it does not look like us being worldlings or acting like worldlings or being part of that crowd. Well, and I think what you just talked about really gets at the heart of this whole entire issue for parents, right? And for for a lot of Christians who want what the world has, mm-hmm. right? And wanting the best of both worlds or what they think is the best world. So when you think about um, this idea that, you know, to be a Christian, we live as pilgrims among the worldlings and we're going to be loving and we're going to be kind and we're going to point them to Jesus. And, and it, and it's not a, it, it's, but for the grace of God, right? right. So it's, it's not a, a superior sort of attitude, but at the same time, we have to recognize this is the way the world operates and we're not here to get all of what this world seems to offer, you know, those who in their ephemeral sense, you know, will get these, these, I'm going to put air quotes here. You can't see (laughs) benefits of being in the world, right? You know, the, the superior job, the nicer house or whatever it is that people usually strive for. They, They want that same experience. They want to be accepted. And I think this is part of the thing maybe the parents have to come to terms with is, you know, if we raise our, if we are Christians, we are separated. And if we, 
are going to raise our children that way. We're raising them to live as sheep among wolves. Right. And raising them to fight. Yes. Right. Which is why the timing is so important. And, and, and so it gets unpacked here in the next paragraph. Our children too are called to battle in their lifetime for Christ and against the world. Only then will they receive a crown one day. And you cannot do battle against the world if you keep yourself in isolation. You have to step out into the world and as a sheep of the fold, take the risks of being in the world among the wolves. That is what you have to do. And your children eventually have to do the same, but not until they are prepared, until they are mature, until they are well-armed and properly equipped. That is the, the timing issue again. So, so there's a lot that comes to my mind as, as I hear that. And one of those uh, things connect to a different conversation you and I were having about an, a whole other topic and, and the idea where sometimes, you know, Christians want to be in favor with the world, you know, and so, you know, we, we see certain people who want to take the public position of being able to point out all the church and all the Christian flaws and errors. And somehow that gives them a little bit of clout maybe with the world, you know, to, to see that. Um, and, and I wonder though, sometimes, um, about parents who we, we don't want to fight. We don't want to see that our life is in fact a battle. Right. right. And, and, and what I mean by that is there, there can be the kind of spirit where everything is a battle. You know, the culture warriors always, you know, on the front line, got a, you know, got a sword and is ready to swing it just at, at everything. But then there's the others that take the back seat and, and just want to be comfortable. Right. And, yes. and, but as Christians, this is a battle. This is a spiritual battle. And that spiritual battle manifests itself in actual physical activity, whether that be, you know, as Lewis pointed to World War II, or that the local public school, uh, you know, uh, fight over what kind of curriculum comes in. These battles are happening everywhere. So the idea that our children are ever going to escape going to battle if they're Christians is one that we just need to get rid of. Right. But then, you know, that, that raises the, the specter, if you will, of, of the family that is in fact, um, evangelistically zealous mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and they, they want their kids to be the same way. And they say, no, no, we're different. And, uh, and then, so then the essay continues to address exactly that. I'll read the last uh, sentence of the previous paragraph. Not until they are prepared, until they are mature, until they are well-armed and properly equipped. But some parents do not mean it that way at all. They do not tell you, my son, my daughter is already so mature, is burning with such zeal for the Lord Jesus that they can't wait to go out among the wolves to do battle for the Lord. No, nothing of the sort. If these parents had fostered such zeal for the Lord and their children, they would be the first to enroll their children in the school where Christ is held in honor. But they have not fostered any such zeal. No such zeal is kindled in the heart of their children. That is why these children find the wolves so attractive and pleasant and why they say, father, mother, we'd rather go out among the wolves. Won't you let us go and be with those strong, robust animals that's so stuffy among the sheep? And those parents will reply, well, son, daughter, we don't want to force you. If it can make life more fun for you, go and be with the wolves, but don't let them bite them bite you do be careful and you know and that is i, I think <laughs> i think one of the signs of, of, of faithfulness if you truly are a zealous uh, a zealous family um then then your child will naturally actually want to study more of the things right when they're yeah. when they're a child the things of the lord um it's not actually a sign of their maturity that they are eager to go out and you know and, <laughs> and, and be in the world 
Well, I think it's it's a sign of their immaturity, right? Of their yes. spiritual immaturity. But it's also a sign, and 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 this might you know seem a little bit biting, but it is a sign of the parents' immaturity to say, "Well, I want you to have fun over. I want you to be." you know, trained properly. I want you to be in the right company of, of those who are not going to destroy you. You know, and, and we still hear this all the time where parents are saying, well, I'm going to let my kids grow up and make their own decision. Right. And, and by saying you're going to just, you know, try to be neutral, first of all, it doesn't exist. But secondly, what you're saying to them is that it doesn't really matter what they believe um, in the end or how they live their life or, or any of those sorts of things. So not only is it an immaturity on the part of the student, right, yes. but it's an immaturity on the part of the parent. Don't let them bite you. Do be careful. <laughs> that is the situation. It arises only when people rank their own insight higher than Jesus's pronouncement, when they do not really believe what he said, when they believe in Jesus in the abstract, but do not surrender to his word. Mm. <laughs> It reminds me in uh, Lewis and Paralandra where uh, divine wants to save humanity by killing humans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like every megalomaniac uh, supervillain. Yeah. Uh, all right. So where, where was, sorry, I'm, I'm having to uh, with live audio, find my place. Here we are. Be- believe in Jesus. Yeah. These parents will say, yes, these parents will say, sure, there is a grain of truth in the warning. Some people are indeed wolves, but to begin with, not all of them are. Also, there are wolves and wolves. Some people at least are not savage, greedy wolves. Some wolves among them are even lovable. After having weakened their position by all sorts of shallow arguments, they go on to fur- to reason further in the following vein. Our children have always been present when the Bible was read at family devotions. We have always given them a good example. They're not at all hostile to the faith. Besides, so long as they have not accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, it makes no difference whether we send them to a Christian school or not. If they are truly children of God, the Savior will protect them even among wolves. Oh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? (laughs) I don't even know where I want to start with that. But what... (laughs) What a, what a great line here where, where he says that uh, some wolves among them are even lovable. Those soft, fluffy, kind right. wolves, you know, they're not going to harm us. And, you know, what's so wrong but with We them? find ourselves saying this sort of thing all the time in one breath. And then in the next breath, we'll, we'll emphasize to our children how, how the world wants to seduce and how, you know, that how evil seeks to pervert everything yes but not johnny down the road not he, your no. classmate susie they're, they're not that way well i think the, the the key word there is seduction right appearing to be lovable you know this is the little red riding hood <laughs> and they call this loving our children these are parents who have made a solemn vow of the baptism of their infants and every evening finds these parents on their knees praying that god will protect their child but they haven't the faintest notion what it is to tempt god we need to ask them, after showing such feeble love for your children, do you really think you can pray that prayer based on a prompting by the Holy Spirit? This is <laughs> one punch <laughs> after another. I mean, this is so direct. I mean, he's, he's, just, he's just straight up saying uh, that, that those who don't do what God told them to do as parents in raising and protecting their children and being wise and the timing and all that are they're te- they're tempting God. They're trying God. Yeah, they are. They are. Well, there's a certain arrogance, right? That says I'm wiser than Jesus. And there's also a default that I think he really pushes at. And I, and I love the fact that he, he addresses this here where, you know, a lot of Christians who understand theology will say, well, you know, whatever God ordains and, and, you know, if they're chosen of God, then, and it's that, 
you know, what we call that, that, uh, Calvinist cop out, you yeah. know, that, that we, we don't have any responsibility here because whatever God has preordained, which is a complete misunderstanding of it. And he addresses that here. So it's not that, that is to tempt God. So part of what God wills, he also, you know, whatever he decrees, he also decrees the means to that end as well. And that means as parents being faithful to what Jesus taught, not what they think they know better than Jesus. Right. Think of the implications when Jesus draws such a sharp contrast between sheep and wolves. Does he mean to say that his followers are all gentle and loving and the people of the world are all as evil as wild animals? Not at all. Jesus's words have nothing to do with that kind of self-flattery and condescension toward people of the world. Just take a look once at sheep in the meadow, how violently they can butt. At times they can be anything but lovable. The point is this. Just as a watchdog is strong in its own yard, so the people of the world are so much stronger in the world than you are. You are no match for them. Your children, too, will be defenseless against them. Once they enter their company, they are lost. I, I heard a, um, a family one time you know, say that they would want to, they use the evangelistic uh, aspect. I want to send my kids into the public school where they can be a testimony to the other public school kids. And uh, a pastor responded, he said, have you ever seen a canary amongst, uh, amongst a bunch of crows? <laughs> right? You know, the, the canary will stop singing, uh, but the crows will never learn to sing. Right. Well, you know, it, it also puts me in mind of, you know, oh, the question I always want to ask is this thing that you're asking of your child how did you do it that how are you doing now (laughs) right like here you are 35 40 years old Mm -hmm. and 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 how do you do when you go to work and how did you do when you were 14 yes that's what you want from your kid you want them to do to, to, you know, like, why would you set them up for that? Well, it's a, it's a form of self-deception. And I think the older I get anyway, and I think this is probably true of most people is the older you get more, you look back and you think, I'm not going to trust that kid. I, I, I don't trust myself. And I especially didn't trust my 14 year old self. Right. right. I'm, I'm certainly not going to trust them and not, not to say that they are, you know, evil, but I mean, not to be seduced, right. Not to be taken in by the things of the world. So we have yes. to recognize and be honest about the fact of, what the human heart is really like. Right. Even you know, if, if we think of spiritual, of, of physical uh, examples to maybe illustrate the spiritual, I mean, our children can be very strong, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I, I have some sons who are excellent rugby players. They're not just rugby players. They're, they're good. And they're big. And if no. I put them in the midst of a bunch of 40 year old men, they would get destroyed mm-hmm. and there's no question. Right. Right. Um, because they don't have that maturity yet. And, you know, of course we're talking about, you know, sending, sending kids, you know, to two kids, but these institutions are under the control of adults and it is their backyard as, as Kuiper says. So as strong as our children may seem to be, we have to have the wisdom to realize they are still growing. It is yeah. not quite yet the time, yeah. you know, she may be 16 years old, she may be a you know a leader at the youth group bible study she, she's not yet at that point yeah she 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 is not going to be the same person in a different context that's totally controlled you know by the worldlings to use your earlier word that first of all the the backyard your children will be defenseless 
that first of all. And in the second place, the people of the world are fanatical in their zeal for the world, and they are bent on saturating your children with the spirit of the world, even as your children at first offer resistance. They will not rest until your children, too, are completely wrapped up in the world. That is why Jesus calls them wolves. They want your children to become as they are. They want to absorb them to spiritually devour them. This is written in the mid 1890s. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I want you to just think about that. I want our listeners to think about that for a second. Mid 1890s. And all you have to do is look at Twitter or any other social media platform and listen to what, as Joffrey called them earlier, the worldlings, listen, listen to what they're saying. We want your children. We are going to, I'm in, in the most radical examples are, you know, the trans and, and, in some of the, you know, the, the strange stuff out there. And they are aggressively, viciously seeking to take, take the, the Christian children. Right. And parents will read stories about say, you know, uh, a crisis in confidence and an epidemic of suicides in teenage girls and connecting it to social media and uh, they'll, 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 they'll wag their heads sorrowfully mm-hmm. and and then send their daughters out yeah right uh with, with you know uh, we we are different as if none of those girls had had christian families and christian parents right right and you know it's this has always been always been the way of things. You know, mm-hmm. you, you point out well that, you know, this is written in, in the 1890s um, and we see it in scripture and we've, we've seen it th- throughout history. This is the way of humans. Evil doers want to corrupt you zealously because, so that you are also affirming how they are living in their yeah, of consciousness. This is just this, how it's always been. It's how it's, it, it is the human nature. And, you know, we talked earlier about some of the more subtle wolves, you know, the, the fluffy cute ones uh-huh. you know, in there. And, and I, I can imagine because I've, I've heard the, the kinds of conversations that happen, you know, where a public school teacher, you know, you have a teenage child who is in crisis of faith and this helpful public school teacher who is going to, you know, they feel sad for them. They really want to generally help them out of their Christian home. And we're going to give them all the good advice of, you know, your parents are probably good people, but misguided. And we're going to help you, uh, you know, escape that, that sort of conversation and to a, a a teenage uh, young person who is now being affirmed in these feelings that are confused about, you know, when they're trying to work and, and they're really, are crisis of faith where young people have to work through where it becomes, and I'm using the term crisis of faith, not necessarily that it's a full-blown crisis, but where we are now taking on as a young person, it becomes our own faith, right? right? And so everybody has to work through that process. We certainly want to be careful about who's influencing our children at that age of their life as well. Yes. And, and, and if you believe Jesus is best, if you believe the gospel is best, then you, know, you should want that for your children. And you should not be saying, well, um, we're, we're going to let them decide for themselves. Yeah. They're going to decide for themselves anyway. If you show that sort of weakness or uncertainty, you're going to be tipping your hand the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the, <laughs> there's no, there's no question. Well, you that either, each of your children will make that decision for themselves regardless. They, they will. Yes. And I didn't mean to cut you off there, but we either believe Jesus or we don't. I mean, right. that's the, that's the bottom line. So in the face of them, we and our children are like defensive sheep, but as lambs of the flock of Christ, 
not as a deer or an ox, which too are assailed by wolves, but as lambs. How so? Because when the wolves attack, a deer will defend itself with its antlers until it drops, but a sheep flees to its shepherd. Mm -hmm. So this is the secret of Christian education. Keep your children in the company of Jesus and educate them under the shadow of his wings until they are ready. And when they are ready, send them out into the world among the wolves, but as sheep, as young people whose shield is the Lord. I love that final paragraph. It almost no. seems, you know, sacrilegious to try to add to it, right? <laughs> but <laughs> but I, but I do think that there is something here. You know, we don't want to send our children out as wolves among wolves, right? Right. They are sheep, and that means they do have a shepherd, and they will be uh, vulnerable in in the world, even in their most mature state. But let's not do it too soon. Let's not be premature about it. Let's raise them up and give them the best training the training that we say we believe. So we either believe Jesus about everything or we believe him about nothing. And the train, the training can be summarized in flee to your shepherd. Yeah. Right. But we, we ourselves know from our own lives, that's not an easy thing to learn. No. So let's, let's do everything we can to teach that to our children in the right context. Well, thanks for listening today. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, uh, straightforward and direct you know, thing here today, right? So <laughs> let's, essay yeah, let's not be wiser than Jesus. Amen.